hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And welcome. Hello, good day, good morning, good afternoon. I don't know, whatever time it is. I say that all the time because <clears throat> it's a podcast, you see. Um, you might be listening on the way to work. You might be listening on the way home from work. You might be listening in your sleep. <laughs> I do hope you're still awake, especially because we're only five seconds in. Uh, couldn't possibly be asleep at this early stage of the show. Uh, as we kick on, I understand you might uh, you might drift. Well, maybe every now and then maybe I'll shout "Wake up!" And if you're running to work or driving to work, don't be alarmed. Just stick to the black stuff, people. Uh, great to have you covered. Episode 249. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technologies. We're going to talk mobile recycling, a uh, topic somewhat interesting in my heart, given the number of phones that I have in the shelf cupboard behind me. Uh, I don't want to count them. I'm not going to. Um, we're going to talk about laptop buying advice. We're going to talk about phone problems. We're going to talk about telco problems. We're going to talk about tablet sales. Now, I had this conversation a few weeks ago um, on the radio across the country, different places, talking about whether or not tablet sales were up, down, or indifferent. I have some interesting thoughts on that. I've got a few emails I might get to. Plus, Vodafone have done something very interesting with their global roaming uh, for people travelling to New Zealand. Um, not only do they have great plans, but they have something extra for you if you're heading to New Zealand and you're a Vodafone customer. So that's uh, some news I'll break for you here, which is why the podcast won't be available until midnight on the 20th. I record every Wednesday, every Tuesday, sorry. I try and get the show up every Tuesday night, but uh, most people, I think, grab it on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. So uh, lots to talk about. The tablet sales is a very interesting one, which we'll talk about shortly. But most importantly, questions, comments, problems. If you've got questions about technology, problems with the technology in your life, or you just want to have a chat about some part of the technology in your life, get in touch. Go to the website, send me an email, uh, eftm.com.au. It's very simple. Send me an email, say good day, what it is, and I will get in touch with you, and we'll have a chat, and we'll try and help you out with those problems. Because that's what I do. And if I can't help you myself, I'll try and find someone who can. All here on Your Tech Life. My name's Trevor Long. Join me here each and every week on Your Tech Life, plus on Twitter at Trevor Long. Love the chats and conversations we have there. And um, also each week on Two Blokes Talking Tech with Stephen Fennick. But right now, Your Tech Life. Now, tablet sales. Now, this is one of those things I'm not sure anyone really knows, but they can do research and find out. So Telsite is um, one of those kind of uh, uh, forecasting companies that uh, a lot of big businesses rely on for uh, strategic insights and advisory um, and, uh, you know, an independent business. So what they do is they, they do a few studies. So Telsite today announced that there were 1.8 million tablets sold in Australia in the first half of 2014. That's amazing. But that's a 28% decline from the previous six months, according to the um, uh, analyst firm Telsite. So, and I'll read you the, the information they sent out. Uh, following three years of solid growth, the impact of a slowing demand was exasperated with the traditionally slower first half retail cycle. Um, their media tablet market study of 2014 reveals longer upgrade cycles are impacting new sales with the market now in a lull as customers wait for a reason to upgrade. And despite this, the population penetration of media tablets increased to 46% or 10.8 million people. 46% of Australians have a tablet. What? It's amazing. The most popular tablet is the iPad 2 which was released in March three years ago, March 2011. Uh, very interesting. More Android units were sold for the first time in Australia in the first half, so more Android than Apple. Yay. It's also because there's a million of them out there. Um, so, look, what does this all mean, right? I am not surprised by this. Okay? Now, I am an not normal 
I'll be honest. We know that. I have more technology than, than most. I get that. But you would think that someone like me would have the latest. But I'm sitting here, and when I when I play the jingles and stings, that comes on an iPad 1. It's beautiful. I still love it. It's still in good nick. I look at it. Its, it's screen is beautiful. There's no problems with it. It's still running the, the applications I need it for. Um, when I turn the volume of my microphone up, up and down, up and down, see that? Um, that's being done on an iPad 2 on my on my mixing desk. It it can happily run the uh, the software that, that's required there. Out in the family room, we have an iPad 1 in the kitchen. My wife uses that for looking up Thermomix recipes or jumping on a Facebook. And there's two iPad 2s in big clumsy case kid covers for the kids to play on. We don't have an iPad 3. We don't have an iPad 4. We don't have an iPad Air. Now, I do have an iPad Air sitting in my desk here. It's a review unit from Apple. Uh, I don't use it very much, if I'm honest. I don't really carry a tablet around with me. I carry a MacBook Air most of the time or my Lenovo Yoga. So I carry a laptop, Ultrabook, around with me. So kind of interesting to me that I've not been given a reason to upgrade. And even if apps stopped working, as they did with the iPad 1, I wouldn't upgrade immediately. I reckon it's probably 12 to 18 months before we upgrade the kids' tablets. And I'll tell you, we'll get iPad minis next time too. Smaller, more portable. Um, so there is this lull. And I think it's because people who want these cool new things, right, go and buy them the minute they're out. And so there's, there's a heap of people with iPad 1s and, and they've probably given those to their, their family or friends and they've bought iPad 2s. Maybe they went iPad, the new iPad with the Retina. But after that, it's like, okay, Lightning Dock, bigger size, iPad Air is thinner, but really not compelling. So there's no reason for those people to convert. And also people who, who wanted a tablet have got one. So there's 10 million people who've gone out and got a tablet. They're the people that wanted one. The other 10 million people either can't afford it, don't see the need for it, simply don't want one. And they're the people that need to be convinced. So you kind of got a, a much more difficult trajectory of sales for that last 50% of the country. Yeah? It's a very interesting problem that, that they have. Now, you see this reported as being Apple in decline. It's crap. There, there are more Android tablets on the market. They're easy to buy. They're cheaper. People buy them as a bit of an impulse here and there. But the broad you know, tablet market is always going in any market that Apple's in and then others join is always going to dominate and then they'll they'll drop down to you know 30 or 40 percent because it's just more um, flooded in the market you know and that's that's fine but how does Apple how does Samsung how does everyone else challenge this this problem of us not wanting to upgrade the device works fine and I had this conversation on the radio today our mobile phones we hold them every minute of the day you know they get worn they get they they get they get dirty, they they stop working, we crack them, we break them, we upgrade them every year or two, right? Whereas a tablet isn't used as much, so it doesn't suffer as badly from wear and tear. And the majority of people are doing the basics, right? They're on email, they're on the internet, they're on Facebook, they're browsing around, they're playing got a few apps, they're on eBay, they might be playing a few games. And the tablet's fine for them and they don't need to upgrade. So... Why upgrade? And it's like the PC market. You don't upgrade your PC every year and a half. You Three to five years, maybe. And that's where the tablet market's at. So you've got this, this gap between smartphones, which we upgrade regularly, computers, which we upgrade infrequently. Let's call it five years, three to five. And then this post-PC era, the tablet, is somewhere in between. So it's probably three to three to four years again. And that's the problem they've got. Remember, the iPad's only been around for four years. 2010 to 11, 12, 13, 14. Four years. <laughs> it's only been around for four years. And iPad 1s aren't dominant. iPad 2s are. So it could be that next year's the big year for another bit of a boost in tablet sales. Very interesting, though, don't you think? I'd love to know. Um, jump on Twitter and uh, and say day, or jump on the email via the website, eftm.com.au. What's in your house? What have you got? When did you get it? How did you obtain it? Was it hand-me-down? Did you buy it from scratch? And what do you use them for? Tablets. Because I think, my personal opinion is, the majority of people, email, 
Facebook, browsing the web, maybe Candy Crush. <laughs> um, that's the majority of use. And if that is the majority of use, you don't need Upgrade. Why bother? So I'd love to know what, what you are using it for. That might help me understand this story, this market, and this research. Um, let me know what, uh, what your take is on that. And let me know uh, what the tablet world is like in your house. Uh, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Emails in the inbox. I'm just trying to clear them out. I might have read this one already from Simon in uh, Waterman's Bay. Just wanted to say love the show. And he started re- listening recently, but I like your mix of topics and the way you cover them. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Simon. That's very good of you. Uh, Adam. Uh, Adam, 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 Adam. Uh, no, Adam is another one uh, for another day that we can get a hold of. Uh, Phil uh, from last uh, week. I just want to congratulate you on your intro to the last episode of Your Tech Life with regards to the passing of Robin Williams. Hit the right chords with regards to Beyond Blue, Black Dog and Lifeline. Handled the difficult subject with great empathy. empathy. And the WTF interview with Mark Maron, uh, truly a great interview. Very raw, probably the most open interview publicly available with Rob. And I can't agree more with you on that, Phil. It was excellent. Anyway, I just want to congratulate you on passing on the positive feedback. Thank you, Phil. It means a lot. Phil from uh, Hendra. Um, it, it does mean a lot because it, um, it, um, it helps me know, you know what's resonating with people. Otherwise, I'm just gibbering here, aren't I? <laughs> I'm just gibbering. Um, who knows what I'm talking about? So, um, yeah, happy to uh, happy to try and uh, try and accommodate all those things as they come along. So, um, thank you for getting in touch. It is uh, is very good of you. And if you want to get in touch, you can go to the website uh, eftm.com.au or uh, jump on Twitter at Trevor Long. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Let's take your calls. If you've got a question, a comment or problem with technology, just go to the website eftm.com.au. G'day, Jennifer. Hello, Trevor. What can I do for you? Um, well, we need to update our home um, computer system completely. Mm-hmm. We have, Our laptops died. Um, we've got an iPad. That's about all we've got at home at the moment. We've got an old desktop, a printer that doesn't work. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, we just need to... Um, I was thinking, you know, maybe we could get someone in to have a look and. So you literally what... want someone to kind of personal shop for you and do the whole whole palaver? Well, just give us advice, I guess. We we probably don't, you know, we don't have that much technical knowledge between the two of us, my mm. husband and I. So, um, I, you know, I, I I'd like to think that we're at a point with technology that. When was the last time you bought a, a computer or a printer? How many years ago do you think? Oh. Um, maybe five. It's come so far. And I mean a long way. It's funny. I think about it now. We used to have to, people would ring me and I'd guide them through the, even just the basic setup wizard. And, you know, these days it is so much easier. Now let's talk about just a couple of things that might stay at your home. So your internet connection. You've still got an internet connection at home, do you? We've just got the Wi-Fi. Uh, so, but that comes in how? That's a phone line connection or a cable? No, no, just a, we've just got a little modem so it's it's yeah. literally and using the Telstra 4G network, is it? It's Vodafone. But it's yeah, so it's using the mobile network, yep, right? Yeah, yeah. You obviously don't use a lot of data then, and you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's good because that means that can stay there. That doesn't need to change. That works, right? So then mm-hmm. you've obviously got experience connecting to Wi-Fi. You do it on your iPad, um, and connecting a computer to Wi-Fi is not dissimilar to that these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, out of the box, any computer you buy. Very easy to get running. And you probably don't need a desktop computer anymore, do you? You just want a laptop? Yeah, I think so. But we thought since we've got the desktop there, we may as well use it. You know, it's just sitting there, um, you know. Uh, I mean, it'd be 
probably have Windows XP or something like yeah. that on. It's completely out of date. The, and the yeah. kicker with that is, is that is the desktop connected to the Wi-Fi? No. Because it doesn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can get little Wi-Fi adapters, and mm-hmm. that. But I'll tell you right now. Getting that computer running on the internet is probably going to be harder than getting a brand new laptop set up on the internet out of the box. It's it's that much easier these days. So uh-huh. probably one step at a time. I think why don't you tackle two things in one go, and that's a printer and a, and mm-hmm. a laptop. Yep. So when you're buying a laptop, what, what do you do with the laptop? What sort of things do you want to do on it? Um, mostly emails, um, you know, searching the net and yep. stuff like that. All um, the nothing, basic stuff. Nothing fancy. Yeah, yeah. So here's 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 my three um, core requirements for you. Um, every computer has a what they call a processor, like the engine of the thing, and and you'll be familiar with you know the old Intel Pentium inside that kind of uh, those yeah. ads they used to have. These days the recommendations are they have a, a series of of engines processors called Intel Core i3, i5, and i7, and they mm-hmm. do they go up in in speed and, and ability. I'd go down the middle. I'd get an Intel Core i5 because that mm-hmm. means you're going to get a bit of life out of it too. It's going to even when it starts to slow down, it's still going to be ahead of what you need it to do. So mm-hmm. I want you to get an Intel Core i5. I mm-hmm. want you to get between well, sorry, a minimum of four, but a recommendation of eight gigabytes of RAM. Mm-hmm. So Intel Core i5, eight gig of RAM, and I want you to get as good a hard drive as you think you can you can afford, and probably. 500 gigabytes would be where I'd put the minimum. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's going to store lots of photos for you and different things like that. And it doesn't matter which laptop you buy. As long as it meets those three requirements, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Now, when you buy a laptop, it'll have Windows 8 or 8.1 on it. Yeah. Very, very different experience, Jennifer. Yes, and, I know. And breathe and, and give it time. That's all I'd say to you. Um, yeah. Tell your husband you not to get, get frustrated. You can't get Windows 7 on the laptops. No, and even if now. even if you could, you're going to have to go there sooner or later. You may what, as well what just about, go there now. Isn't there an 8 point something or the other that uh, they've brought out that's 8. a bit better? 8.1. Yeah, 8.1. It's, yeah. Look, I can't even tell you what the difference is. Honestly, oh. I put 8 and then I put 8.1. It's it's the same concept. <laughs> so <laughs> it's still, But it's, it's good. It's not a bad thing. Um, the number one tip I'll give you about Windows uh, 8 is that wherever you are in the computer, whatever you're doing, you press the Windows key and then you mm-hmm. type what you want to do. So let's say you're reading an email and you want to type a Word document. Press the Windows key. It takes you to this you know, fancy tiled home screen and type mm-hmm. W-O-R-D and it'll bring up Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. Very easy to use in that sense. So give it time. You will get used to it and it will be fine, right? Okay. Um, so you're going to get a Windows 8.1 computer. You're going to get those three requirements. And I think you'll find out of the box it'll work quite easily for you. As you set it up out of the box, it will ask you to connect to your Wi-Fi network. So it'll do all those things. Your mm-hmm. biggest concern needs to be when you're buying a new computer, when you're running Windows, it will want to do Windows updates and things. So you're going to chew through that, that internet connection in any given month mm-hmm. now and then. So just, mm. just keep an eye on your usage. Is it prepaid or postpaid, the internet? Um, I'm not sure my husband pays. <laughs> yeah, just, just tell him to keep an eye on the usage, right? All right. And, and then with the printer, um, there are lots of great printers, but the one that you need to get, well, not the one, but the, the feature you need to get is AirPrint. Because, AirPrint. because then you can print from your iPad. Oh, okay. So you want mm-hmm. a wireless printer. And you want it with AirPrint. Now, to be clear, you can get wireless printers that don't have AirPrint. And they will tell you in the shop that, oh, it's fine. You can install this app and do all this stuff. That's just silly. Mm-hmm. If you get a printer with AirPrint, okay. that then your laptop will print to it fine via the normal wireless. And then your iPad, you're, when you're reading an email, you just hit print. You hit the little share button, you know, the arrow where you want to email something. And mm-hmm. print's an option there. It'll find your printer, and you can print straight to the printer. It's amazing. Very mm-hmm. easy to use. So mm-hmm. I want you to get a printer, a wireless printer with AirPrint. Mm-hmm. And, and again, reasonably easy to set up. You, you turn them on. You don't have to plug them into anything other than the power. And on their little touch screen, it'll, it'll help you connect to the internet. And the hardest part of that is actually normally typing in your internet password, your Wi-Fi password, Mm-hmm. Um, because it's you know a little silly keyboard on a touch screen and stuff like that. But once you've mm-hmm. done that, you'll be fine. So mm-hmm. if you go and buy those two things, and then you know in a few weeks or a month after that, then say to yourself, do I need that computer over there sitting on the on the desk? 
I'd be amazed if you do. You're probably better off just buying a nice monitor and plugging the monitor into your laptop and sitting your laptop on the desk and buying a separate keyboard. So you've got a full keyboard, a nice monitor, and you just use your normal laptop. Do, do I need a docking station? You don't have to have a docking station to do that. All Most right. laptops have either a plug directly for your monitor or you can get a little adapter. And so you just plug the monitor in, you plug a keyboard into a USB, you plug a mouse into a USB, and the, the laptop just runs as the computer. And then you've got all these extra bits sitting on the desk for when you really want to, you know, bash out some emails or documents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wouldn't go down the PC route just yet, the, the buying a big computer. I'd just go start off with a laptop, then get a printer, and, uh, and I think you'll find yourself a very nice home network. And I don't think you'll need anyone to help you set it up. And if you do... You get in touch with me, and I'll, I'll at very least help you out over the phone. Okay. Well, thanks, Trevor. All right. So Intel Core i5, um, 8 gig of RAM, 500 gig hard drive, and a printer with AirPrint. Mm-hmm. Okay. And any you think any brand of laptop? Um... What, what, won't make a difference one or the other. You want one that, that, that feels good, so pick it up, feel how mm-hmm. heavy it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, determine the size of it. You know, do you want a 14-inch or 15-inch? You know, have a good look. Don't buy on the spot. Go to several shops. You you will not be able to go um, one shop to another and price match because they rarely sell the exact same computer. That's the mm-hmm. trick, right? It's not like buying a car. You can go to one dealer and then another and they've got the exact same car. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, you're basically buying on specifications. So those three things I mentioned to you, plus perhaps the size and the weight of it, um, mm-hmm. other than that, it's very hard to find the same laptop at two shops and mm-hmm. uh, and compare them other than a Mac or something like that. So mm-hmm. just look for the basic requirements and then um, determine which is the best deal for you. And, you know, stick with a big brand where, where possible because you've got the support and the, the warranty yeah. and all those things and the kind of personal um, sense of security through that as well. Okay. All right. All right. Good luck. Happy all shopping. Right. All right. Thank you very much, Good on Trevor. You. Uh, you can right. get in touch anytime. Just go to the website, EFTM. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, I told you I'd tell you about um, Vodafone. Now, you remember last year Vodafone launched the $5 roaming deal, um, New Zealand, US and UK. That's expanded to a whole stack of countries now. What about this? More than uh, 2.5 million Vodafone postpaid customers will now benefit from 4G speeds when roaming in New Zealand for that $5 a day. Uh, that is very cool. So when in New Zealand, you'll automatically roam to the Vodafone New Zealand network, which is the nation's fastest 4G network, and according to Ookla, which is the speed test people, second fastest 4G network in the world. Uh, over a million Australians travel in New Zealand every year. You can see why they keep, you know, pushing New Zealand as a place for this. That's a lot of people. Uh, it's Australia's number one international holiday destination. So 4G speeds are available to you now. And, and uh, Kim Clark from Vodafone makes the point, you know, a two-week holiday will cost you 70 bucks. And for that extra 70 bucks on your phone bill, you can use your phone like you're at home. Ring local New Zealand numbers, use your internet data as per your plan. All that's really easy. Plus, new Vodafone Red customers also benefit from automatic data top-ups, which kick in... Um, uh, with one gigabyte of data the moment they exceed your allowance at a flat rate of $10. So you don't ever have huge bill shock. You just pay by the gigabyte. Um, look, I think it's great. 4G speeds when roaming is something we need internationally. And now that we've got it in one place, we're going to want it everywhere. Um, but well done to Vodafone for that initiative. Um, following on from the uh, the red roaming plans launched last year, $5 a day roaming, I think it's still the best um, value and the best opportunity anyone has who... Um, who roams at all, anyone that travels, you need to be considering the Vodafone options because they're so simple to use. Uh, this is your Tech Life. And thanks to the good people at Garmin, garmin.com.au. Check out the Vivo Fit, $159 for a fitness band that does a whole stack more. Today I've taken 5,861 steps. That's pretty poor. The Vivo Fit says I've got 204 more to go to reach my goal. Now you're thinking, that's not a very big goal. See, on my other devices, I set a goal of 10,000, but see, the VivoFit knows, knows what's happening. I was a bit crook yesterday, so I had a bit of a down couple of days, didn't walk much. So, so the VivoFit's not saying, hey, dude, you've got to walk 10,000 steps. It's saying, okay, let's get back. Let's get back for you. It learns your activity level and assigns you a personalized daily goal. It displays your steps, calories, distance, uh, monitors your sleep. It pairs with a heart rate monitor if you've got one. It's got a, over a year of battery built into it. Um, this is so easy. 
$159. It's um, one of the um, one of the best featured uh, fitness bands on the market. And simple screen on the on the front with a button you can flick through the date, time, your steps, your goal, the number of kilometers you've walked, and the calories you've burned. Really simple to use. I'm so close to my goal. I think I'll walk around the house a few times when I finish recording. Um, the Garmin Vivo Fit is a great product. Check it out at garmin.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is Your Tech Life. My name is Trevor Long. You can get in touch anytime. Just go to the website eftm.com.au. Now, uh, I remember talking about uh, four weeks ago about Apple launching a, a recycling program, I think they called it. Reuse and recycle. But essentially, it was a way of mm, subtly getting you to get a new phone. And uh, they'd give you a little bit of a trade-in cash for your old phone. The good thing about that is the, the phones, um, I assume, even uh, Apple's green credentials were going into... Uh, um, you know, a, a, a recycling program. Um, but the bad thing is, you know, you've got to you've got to go back to the Apple Store and those kind of things. So there are ways that you can ensure that you're doing your bit for the environment. Um, you know, minimising landfill, minimising mining, a whole stack of different things. And uh, one such company is Mobile Muster. Now, recently, the uh, Federal Minister for the Environment, Greg Hunt, announced that uh, Mobile Muster had been given a green tick. What does it mean? What is Mobile Muster? All these kind of questions. Uh, Rose Reed from Mobile Muster is on the line. G'day, Rose. G'day, Trevor. How are you? I'm good. Mobile Muster. Now, I, I'm going to plead somewhat of an ignorance here. I've definitely heard about it. I've definitely been told about it. I've definitely seen, I don't know, uh, recycling you know, bins. What, t- tell me about Mobile Muster. What is it and, and how does it operate? Well, you, you know quite a bit about it, which is great. Um, as you said, it's um, the mobile phone industry's official recycling program. And what that means is the companies that make and sell phones, like Telstra, Optus, Vodafone, Samsung, Nokia, HTC, Huawei, they all fund this program. And it's about keeping old mobile phones plus their accessories out of landfill. Hmm. Um, So not just the handsets, but the batteries and chargers. And what we want to do is encourage, make it easy and simple for people who, um, who, who who have phones that no longer work, will no longer be used, um, and give them a free, simple, and easy way to recycle their phones and know that they'll actually be recycled properly. And um, as you mentioned, we have just been accredited and um, by the federal government, which means we've had a green tick. And so that's actually a really big thing because we're both the program is both not for profit, um, which means we don't we're not out there to make money. Um, the the companies that um, make and sell the phones who fund the program fund it pay a levy on every new handset. Mm-hmm they um, import to the country. And that's actually the primary funding source of the program. So every time we buy a phone, a little bit goes to Mobile Muster to make sure that this program continues and can be viable. Well, in essence, but in fact, it's the manufacturer. It's it's not, I suppose it's built into the price, but it's not added on to the price. No, no, of course. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the manufacturers and the carriers who participate, our members in the program, they, they contribute a total of 42 cents for every handset they import into the mm-hmm. country. Yep. And that's our primary funding source. And so that means that we can have those collection tubes and boxes in um, you know, Telstra, Optus, Vodafone stores, office works, um, local council sites, about 4,000 public drop-off points around Australia. Yeah, so right. Trying to make it really convenient and easy because it's always a bit of a pain. You know, you want to do the right thing, but... You know, just trying to get to the right spot in the right time and all that sort of thing would have been a challenge. So we want to make it as simple and easy as possible. And this is the point where I declare, and people, my listeners would probably be aware because I, I remember when I moved into my new home, built my little studio here, um, I remember taking a photo and uh, tweeting it and people were a bit, uh, not appalled, but uh, shocked by the number of mobile phones that I have. You said <laughs> very clearly, and I'm going to hold you to this at this point, but you said it's about preventing mobile phones from going into landfill. So it's okay, right, that I've got a shelf full here, isn't it? That's well, It's just that if I wanted to get rid of them, I should I should use a mobile must have been, not landfill. That's the point, right? Well, that's the primary point. But seriously, I mean, do you really need to have how many phones? It's like a little museum. It's a museum. Well, well, I think this this is one of our key challenges because we reckon there's about 23 million old mobile phones plus all their batteries and chargers sitting in cupboards and drawers. What if I took the batteries out? Would that that make me a better person? Yeah, great. Recycle the batteries, recycle the accessories. If you want to keep the handset as a, you know, um, a memorable piece or a mm-hmm. museum piece or just mm-hmm. a history, you know, then, then do that. But recycle the battery because 
like 96% of the materials in the batteries, the handsets and the chargers can be recovered and reused. And you mentioned it in your intro. That's replacing the need to mine non-renewable resources. And while it won't replace all of it, it will actually replace and slow down the rate of consumption of our non-renewable resources. So it's about closing the loop and, and, and making it more sustainable, making these finite resources last a lot longer. Mm. And so and that's when, a when, huge benefit. That's when, a huge benefit, you know, just from energy, from protecting, you know, habitats, you know, not increasing, you know, all sorts of great benefits there. Mm. And now, and it's interesting, because I've, I've had this conversation before, I'm sure, with, with people about the... the the recyclable nature of phones and you know i think to, to their credit um uh, samsung certainly uh, apple there's companies that talk about the way they build phones and the and the, the components they use that make it recyclable stuff like that i've never really understood it because really they just look like phones to me and i don't know what do they get smashed and how do they get the piece of gold out of it or whatever it is but you have this way of doing it so there's there's things within those phones that because because it's in there it can be taken out again even though it's all combined together and made into a circuit board and, and buttons and screens, it can still be recycled, all the little tiny components, not not reused as um, components, but recycled in terms of the, the precious uh, metals that might be in there, the plastics and those things. That's it, spot on. And, and it, it, you're right, they're very complex um, pieces of equipment. They have lots of different materials in them. The circuit boards you know, have fresh uh, gold, silver, um, then I have lead, then I have um, a tungsten, tin, coltan, um, all sorts of um, you know, rare and precious metals, plus you know, aluminium, steel, all of those um, metals. And each of those can be recovered. I mean, that's the beauty of metals is that you can actually take them through a, you know, a, a heat and a crunching process and, and you know, re-separate out of yeah. a combined alloy. I mean, it, it takes time, but, but the amount of energy... To recover the metals from the phones is, uh, you know, a tenth of what you would do in recovering, you know, digging that ore and mining it from the ground. So the, the target you only... have, though, the target you have for recycling is quite, quite high, isn't it? Um, I was talking to someone earlier in the week, and I can't remember the number. You'd probably know it, but it sounded like a massive amount of uh, tonnage. I think they were talking in, and that, I thought to myself, how does that equate to mobile phones? These things are two hundred grams. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose you know, currently we're collecting um, around 80,000 80, kilos or 80 tonnes um, of mobiles and their batteries and accessories a year. And that translates to into about you know 500 handsets plus a third of 500 batteries, 500 million thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so just around a million handsets and batteries that we've collected this year. And, and on top of that, another you know, 40 tonne of accessories. Um, so that's a, that's a good, good amount, but and that represents probably about half of what people no longer want to hang on to. So you know how you want to keep hanging on to those phones. Mm, mm, mm. I can't; they're not actually available for recycling, so I don't Correct. count yes. them. But um, but obviously there's ones that people don't keep, and um, at the moment we're collecting about 50% of those. We want to lift that up to 55%, which means you know tonnage per animal go up to about 127, 130 tons. So you're saying uh, that that in landfill every year or last year there, there's probably 80 tons of phones and, and accessories and batteries. Oh no! Well, I suppose you could make that analysis, but I mean, generally most people keep them. 80% of people will keep the phones, right. old phone. Okay. They'll pass it on. Um, they'll sell it. They'll trade it in. Um, you know, they'll donate it. Um, that's what we we're, that's what we recycle. Um, in mm. terms of the other half, it's not getting recycled. People say only three percent of people say they actually throw their phone out to landfill. Yeah, right. Which is, so that's a good and, thing. It's not like we do have a culture of of of, of rubbish. Oh no, no. I mean, it's great. I mean, people do. So it is actually it. my problem that you, you that you need to uh, overcome. We need to overcome the problem of keeping people keeping <laughs> three phones in the drawer. I mean, I'm I'm a bit bit different. I, I get phones every week, so whatever. But you know, the average user yeah, might sure. not have a phone yeah. every eighteen months. And you don't need three phones as a backup. You can just have one phone as a backup, and you can take the other one down to your, your telco store. There's a tube there. Whack it in there, and the thing's going to get a new life, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Because if it's like, I mean, keep it there because it's really handy. You know, you, um, if you can reuse it. If a friend comes, you can lend it to them. Um, and, and, you know, if it's still working, we really encourage people to reuse their phones and, and pass it on to their brothers and sisters or uncles and aunts yeah. or, or whatever. But, but seriously, that... that five-year-old phone, um, the seven-year-old Nokia, I mean, 
that a they may not even work properly or efficiently on the new um, network. Um, B, it you know, could be dangerous dangerous, dangerous and, to plug and it in not, and charge not the battery. Going to be re- Sorry, what was that? It could be dangerous to even to attempt to charge the battery. <laughs> I don't know about dangerous. It depends. Um, you know, if you still got the original charge and all the rest of it, I suppose it would still work. But um, the other important thing, you know, you can resell these phones, and yeah. obviously there's a number of companies that will buy them. But even the phones that are, once they're about three or four years old, they really bucks. don't even have mm. a resale value because people in the developing countries can access quite um, modern phones, um, second-hand modern smartphones yeah. at a very good price. So um, what is what is the journey of a phone um, after it goes into that little bucket? What happens? I mean, uh, you know, it's it's obviously a lot, but, you know, break it down for me. Does it happen in Australia? Is it, You know what I mean? Those are the kind of things I'm wondering. Do we – you've got 500,000 phones, broadly. Um, is there a factory here that does the smelting, or do we just, you know, have companies around the world that, that do all that work? We do both. We yeah, do right. both. Um, the, the phones, we initially dismantled them. We're, our company that we work with is Test M. They're a very good recycling company, and they um, we ship the phone, say, from the local Telstra store or wherever you've dropped it off for recycling. Mm-hmm. We'll pick up a box when it's ready, and it goes to um, either Sydney or Melbourne to a facility there. It's all weighed in. We put a lot of emphasis in tracking and tracing it, so we so we can be, the consumer be, can be assured that nothing's going astray. It is actually going to be recycled, as we promised. Yep. Um, it's dismantled at that facility, so by hand, um, you know, there's staff there that unscrew the phones, take off the covers, um, the plastics go into one bag, they, any metals, ferrous metals go into another, the circuit boards into another, the different battery types, so, yeah. you know, the old handsets, really old handsets have nickel cadmium, you know, the newer ones have lithium ion, which have got some nickel metal hydride, different chemistry. Yeah, yeah. So really break it down into all the components, the accessories into another. And anything that we can recycle locally in Australia, we've also, um, the aluminium, any steel, any um, copper that's in a steel form will we'll recycle here. Um, some of the plastics are very, you know, that don't have any metals or anything embedded into them. They um, are sent to a manufacturer in Melbourne who uses them to make sense for And then the rest of it goes to, the company work with TSM has a facility in Singapore for the accessories and the batteries mm. and circuit boards go there, and that's where they will then um, put them through a chemical or a heat process to start to strip down and go down to those raw materials we're talking about, whether it's gold or silver or um, the plastics. Um, they'll separate them out from the metals, and they get made into pallets, for instance, and mm. the, nick, the stainless steel from the nickel in the batteries is recovered, and the cobalt and the lithium from the lithium-ion batteries and the bowls from the surface board, all of those things are then recovered and processed and then become a commodity or raw material that goes on back into the life cycle of making new products. Amazing. It's quite likely that phones or, or other other things that we use right now have um, recycled, you know, precious metals within them, the batteries, whatever it might be, and that's kind of... Uh, Kind of cool to know, but we've got a long way to go, and that's that's the role of mobile muster. And you got a green tick now. You got to you got to keep it. You got to earn it. You got to <laughs> you got to raise that bar, don't you? And that's the challenge. But we can only hope that people will uh, will see the see the mobile muster bins. We'll uh, will we'll, also the conversation at the at the point of sale would, would would be more useful too. So as long as we keep those conversations going, we can try and raise that number slowly but surely, and uh, you can try and hit that target. But it's uh, it's a great great cause. Um, and it's a great um, sort of corporate social responsibility thing going on from both the government and the, the manufacturers that ensures that we're not just uh, dumping all these things in the landfill. Thank you, Rose. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think one of the other key things is, you know, people ha- are having more and more concern about the data on their phones. Yeah, sure. Um, and so if, that's, if you can't remove your data, if you can't save it, transfer it, and I'm quite sure you've covered that topic a number of times, um, you know, you can the, the data will be destroyed through the process. Yes. So there's there's confidence, and we do put a lot of there's a lot of security around the processes we do to ensure that nothing goes astray. So you're tracking that bucket of phones every step <laughs> of its way, so that you know that you know there's not a hand going in there to grab a phone and resell it, or to grab it and get data off it. You're just you're destroying yep. the phones bit by bit by hand <laughs> and uh, recycling them as as promised. Yeah, and you know a lot of great pluses for everything, employing people. You know, lots of great things yeah, good out one. of it. Good on you, Rose. Thank you for the chat and uh, good luck with the targets. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. Take care.
you can get in touch, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. If you've got a question or a problem or you want to have a talk about anything technology in your life, just uh, get in touch. Let's go to calls. G'day, Leslie. Uh, good, good evening. What can I do for you, Leslie? What's your problem? Well, I've got a Samsung GT C3250 and I'm getting um, a message saying uh, unknown subscriber when I receive MMS messages. So picture messages. That's right. Okay. And and has this always happened or has it been it working? It has happened. I've had the phone since May. Yes. Um, it's always happened. I did buy the phone because my sister had one. She's not had any problems with hers. Right. So she's got the exact same phone and exact she can receive same phone, picture messages. Exact same provider, exact oh, really? same everything. And what does the provider say about the problem? I've been on to the provider for many, many calls, up mm. to about eight hours worth of calls. Who are they? Let's name them. IINet. IINet Radio. And, have and they, I haven't have been they... into the Optus office and even they can't help me. Have they, has IINet sent you any weird messages? So you get a text message that says um, save or, or done or anything like that because normally they need to just send you some settings. No, but Optus did get onto their technicians who sent them some form of whatever mm. um, and it came up as a message but it needs a password for me to look to see what it was. It um, needed a they, password for you and you didn't have that password? No, no, it's there for them. Oh, for um, them. right. It, it was sent from their technicians to my phone so they could help sort out the problem right, yeah. that hasn't been sorted out. Okay, and how long has this been going on? Since May? Since May I bought the phone and I've just been on and on and on. My next thing was I was going to bring Samsung or go to the good guys, which is where I bought the phone. Um, but I don't know where to go. To, I don't really know what to do. Now, just to be clear, can you send pictures out or, or only... Not, no, no. You can't send them or receive them? I've not really tried to send pictures. It's just mm-hmm. that the kids keep sending me pictures of the babies <laughs> and the dog and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you want to see that stuff. Um, and, and, yeah, I keep saying can't get them, can't receive, can't receive. <laughs> all right. Well, look, um, Leslie, I, I do have a contact at Ionet. And I do have a contact at Samsung. I'd like to try and help you out with that. So let me get your details off the air and I will then put you in touch with Samsung and Ionet and I'll, I'll get them to talk directly to you and hopefully we'll get slightly higher level of uh, you know technical support and see whether <laughs> they can you, give you Trevor. any direct help. Okay, Leslie? Thank you, Trevor, very much indeed. All right, you stay there and I'll get all your details. Thank you. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website eftm.com.au. If you've got a question, a problem, or anything you want to have a chat about technology, just uh, get in touch. Go to the website eftm.com.au or call 1-800-157-157. G'day, Irene. Hi. What's happening in your world? Um, you know, nothing much. This happened a couple of months ago, mm. and because I run a small business, it was quite frustrating, that, mm. um, Optus, and the way they dealt with it was, you know, shuffling me from one person to another, and I was getting different answers. Um, so what was the problem? The what, what, did you have a mobile get, service with them? Uh, it was it was a mobile broadband internet. Yep. And for a month, it would it would go on and off like ten minutes at a time, half an hour at a time, and it'd be up and then it'd be down. Mm. Was it the device itself turning off, or was it the connection just just there and then not there, there and then not there? Um, it was it was the connection. Yeah, right. Okay. They gave me they gave me a new device. They get you know I went through the whole process. Mm. I, I mean I wrote all this down in a six page document and <laughs> sent it to them, and they said uh, they said that's not relevant to us. Sorry. <laughs> it's not relevant to them. Well, in what way? How can it not be relevant to them? Did they even explain? Uh, and and you know I I wrote back that the customer service was just so disjointed, um, going from one person to another with like I said different answers. First they told me it was a tower problem, um, and they upgraded the software so it would take a couple of days, couple of days, couple of days. Mm. Other people were telling me no, there's no problem. No, it's definitely not a tower problem. And then I went into the Optus shop and they said everyone with wireless 3G network at the time were were experiencing regular outages. So and it was throughout the whole area. I live in the central coast, mm. so it was it was going through 
um, you know, I'm at the entrance and it was going through to Gosford. Right. And so just, I was going to say, where are you? In a regional area, but you're on the central coast of New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And the the tower, they told me, is the one at the entrance north. Um, and then they said, oh, we're sending technicians out. I mean, I, I've got the conversation. And this went on for, for literally weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then by the end of it, um, I, I got I got someone at a call centre saying, look, I, I'll be honest with you, it's been a serious technical problem for weeks, but we're expecting a resolution in a couple of weeks or soon. Uh, I mean, because half the staff was, I I think they're Filipino, I'm not sure, and half the staff was, um, uh, you know, the Sydney ones. But I was just getting flopped off, like, constantly. And, you know, like I said, I went through the whole process. They sent me a new device. I had to um, buy a Telstra device. I got advice from... (laughs) um, Optus staff to take up a Telstra um, account because they're more reliable. Um, I had a technical, you know, it got progress up and up to to, to different technical people calling me um, saying, no, I haven't heard of it. I haven't heard of any problems. I don't know what's going on. And other people did. Um, Then finally got to someone via email and and I sent her this document, and I said, "Look, this this is beyond a joke." And she just said, "That's that's not an issue for us." Mm. Bye. <laughs> so in the end, you ditched them, yeah? Uh, yeah, I did ditch them, but um, the the connection came on. I was waiting for my contract to end, and I was told by some of these call center people that my contract would be would end. And then when when I cut them off. A couple of weeks ago, I got a bill for two hundred and seventy-one dollars, mm. <laughs> um, and and you know when I was speaking to to these one person, they said they would review all the conversations I had to decide um, whether there was evidence that I was told, um, you know, whether my contract when mm. my contract was over. I don't know whether they could listen to all the tapes. That's what yeah, they sure. did. But in the end, um, well, let, let's let's break it down, Orin. In the end, you you had a bad service, you got bad customer uh-huh. service, and you've moved on, yeah. and and you, you won't be going back to them. It sounds like either. Yeah, well, it looks like it looks as though um, they've lost a heap of customers for that. But when I looked it up on the internet, because what concerned me about your article was that um, it was it was the same kind of problem. Um, but the the outage would be. They said they'd fix it in 24 hours. That's yeah, what this, they'd tell me. This but was this, going back a while. This, yeah, I remember that. That was the the whole network yeah. was affected. Yes. Yeah, and this, mm. you know, that happened in May, I think, or or something like. Mm. It did happen a few months ago, mm. but uh, uh, but it it was a problem in October of last year as well. Mm. And yeah, I think you know, I think the the article I wrote was about a, a an absolute national uh, outage. Uh, now, whether or not that localised to you and and was or was not fixed is is a question for Optus. I mean, I'm 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 curious to hear from Optus. I'll see whether I can find out whether they whether they acknowledge that. But in the end, what you've learnt is that um, uh, you're 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 probably going to stick with someone else because you you feel you're getting better service. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, never, uh, never again. Basically, um, uh, you know, not after, uh, it, you know, when I, I was even with these these contract fees, I had to get someone in a foreign um, call center um, to to take out the fees because I said I just said I'm not crazy enough mm. to cut the the contract off when I could just you know move one service. To the next, yeah. you know, I could move the internet because that was over. Yeah. Um, but the mo- I was getting charged for the mobile, and she said, "Okay, fine." And she said she she cut it out. But then I got a phone call saying, "No, the fees are still there." But I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I'm sort of not prepared to pay it because it, it's a different person. It was it's from another call center. Well, um, well, it's very hard. It's very hard to talk to just one person at a telco, I think, and that's uh, another lesson really for people is you can't assume that you will, and you probably, uh, you know, you, you kept a lot of notes, you yeah. kept a lot of records. In the end, Irene, you've moved on, and I, you know, to be honest with you, Irene, I think you need to move on. 
I think you need to move on. Lesson learned. Yeah. Don't go back to Optus. Yeah. Bad experience. Well, I lost. I lost quite a bit of money in my small business. You know, they 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 refunded. They gave me money for the the Telstra's um, prepaid broadband that you know I bought. But, but yep. what concerned me also is they said, oh, that the internet contract was over, but the mobile um, isn't. This is when they charged me fees a couple of weeks back. But mm. I was never called to renew that service. Mm. The price of the service went up without my knowledge after I got um, assurances yeah. from one of the guys at the call center saying, Irene, when we could changes. Dig, Irene, we could dig mm. for hours into the individual yeah. problems that you had. Mm. My, my, what I think is that, that you've learned a very clear lesson about your decision on customer service and how it affects the way you operate. And, uh, uh, and, and I think that, um, you know, that's a, a heated warning that people need to take. But, you know, from your point of view, I think really important that you just pick up Move on and uh, and and don't go back to Optus because you know, no, you're not going well, well, to want to well, do that, are you? Um, certainly. I mean, I, I write IT articles for um, uh, outsourcing news for for uh, analysts and stuff. So, I mean, call centers generally, you know, overseas ones. They can be good. They can be bad, but. When Telstra had problems overseas with their business um, messaging service, they pulled it out. Um, Optus just didn't seem to acknowledge that they had problems. Yeah. All right. Well, look, thank you for shedding some light on that. And uh, hopefully you don't have those kind of problems again in the future yeah. with, your, with yourself yeah. and your small business. I, mean, I just I just thought if you, want, if you wanted information on that, um, like I said, I was just concerned because... Uh, the article seemed to be saying that Telstra was going to be jumping on the problem, but this is a problem that's been on and off for ages. <laughs> All right, Irene, thank you for your call. Okay, thanks. Thank you. And uh, if you've got a question or a comment or a problem with technology, get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Um, not sure you've got the same level of problems as Irene, but uh, do, I do think there's a part of the whole, you know what, you just got to let go. <laughs> We all have problems, yeah, with companies, big and small. Sometimes I think you just got to let go. I really do. Uh, anyway, Irene, good luck uh, with your internet and your small business in the future. You're listening to Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. All right, that's all right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, jump on the email at uh, eftm.com.au. Go to the website, send me an email, or uh, you could easily uh, go on Twitter. Uh, at Trevor Long and say good day there on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. Just search for EFTM on Facebook. You can't miss us. Uh, great to have you company. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Tell your friends, please, and uh, jump onto the old iTunes uh, now and then, will you? And uh, leave a little, uh, you know, uh, a little um, um, little comment, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. Whatever. You never know. Um, it'd be great uh, to see those comments. I'll, I'll hear, while I'm here, I'll just do it. I'll just search for it. You'll take life. I haven't seen any comments in the last couple of weeks. Um, but th those comments, those ratings on, on um, iTunes help iTunes algorithm to determine whether or not, uh, you know, they should recommend the show. So please do. 123 great ratings and um, a whole stack of reviews. Um, but uh, I'm waiting for it to load. 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 Uh, 67 customer reviews. Thank you very much, customers. It's a bit silly, really, isn't it? They call it customer reviews. Uh, but no, the last one was in May. Come on, people. There's people listening who have not commented. Okay? Get your act together. Get your act together. Go and leave a review at iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thanks to the good people at Garmin. Uh, get in touch anytime on the website eftm.com.au or on Twitter at Trevor Long. Talk to you next week. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.